Welcome to the Balanced Babes podcast. I'm Kim Perez. I'm Amanda Montalvo. And we are functional nutritionists trained in a holistic, integrative approach to health and are founders of the Balanced Babe Method and Facebook group. We are on a mission to help women learn how to nourish their bodies, balance their hormones, and feel good in their skin. Because we've both dealt with our own health struggles, we are passionate about helping women become more in tune with their bodies and eliminate hormonal imbalances naturally through food, lifestyle habits, mindset, and targeted supplements tailored to each woman. We believe in the importance of intention, the power of intuition, and the value of prioritizing self-care. And we're here to empower all women. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we are not your doctor, and the content shared on this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please chat with your doctor before making any changes. secret? I don't wash my hair every single day, and that's because I use Primally Pure's dry shampoo. They use a combination of kaolin clay and organic arrowroot powder to help absorb excess oil, and then it also adds texture and volume. So I have really thin, fine hair. I have like a lot of it, but it's very flat. It's hard to curl, and so I use this regardless of whether I haven't washed my hair or not, especially if I'm curling it. I love it. They also add organic essential oils, so your hair feels clean. I can't recommend it enough. Simple ingredients, but it works really well, just like all their other products. You can go to PrimallyPure.com to get yours, and make sure you use the code BBP to get 10% off your first order. Hey, it's Amanda here, and I'm with Kim, and today we are going to talk about nutrition for healthy and happy hormones. We've gotten so many questions about this topic, and we want to address it because we think that it's a a really, really important foundation for your hormones. Um, So we have some tips, five tips for you, actually. We want to, um, you know, give you a little bit of information about the why behind those things, as well as give you some action steps if you are looking to support your hormones. But first, we're going to start with our typical icebreaker questions, but we have a few different ones this week. Um, All right, the first one is, what's one thing that you love about your body? I'm going to go with my hair. You do have really nice hair. I have good hair. I like my hair. So I'm going to go with hair. (laughs) But not too curly. Yeah, you do have nice hair. Um, I think mine is my back, very muscular back. Nice. Used to hate it. Now I like it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, because it's it's strong. Next one is fun. <laughs> if you had an extra hour of free time a day, how would you use it? Easily sleep for sure. <laughs> that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, I can't be boring. Um, I'm gonna say reading because I I I want to read more and I don't read. That's a really good one too. And I either, <laughs> either one makes us sound like old ladies, but that's okay. I, know. I just have so many books. And they just keep coming in the mail. I know. I still, I, after a while, I stopped buying them on Amazon. And then I was like, no, like I need to have them around. So I remember to read them. I know. It's so bad. I need to go to the library, but nope. Books, All books, right. books. <laughs> what is your current Netflix binge show? Um, we just binge watched 
season three of Stranger Things. So we finished it last night. So I'm, I'm actually very sad. Um, but on my own, I'm rewatching Gilmore Girls because that's like my guilty pleasure. <laughs> when I just want to feel like safe, I watch that. So that's so funny. Very different. What about you? Uh, I w- I've been like kind of watching The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. I was it was like recommended to me so many times. I finally started watching it, and I was like binging at first, which for me means like two episodes a day which is like way too much TV for my brain. It's a lot, especially when it's like after work and then you sit down and you're like. They're long. I think they're like almost 50 minutes too. So it's like a lot of TV, but um, it's so addicting. But now I'm at the point where it's like depressing the show. So I've been like slowing down a little bit, but anyone that's listening that has watched that will totally understand. Yeah. I remember having to read that book in like middle school, like earlier than I think you want to expose someone to that book, like a child. And it was like very disturbing. So now that the show's out, it's like on my list, but I'm hesitant to start it. It's super disturbing, but it's also kind of like, is this our future? Dr. Kelly Brogan is, did like a whole post on it on her Instagram and her new book that's coming out. She's kind of like, it's, it's about like taking ownership and stuff of your life. And uh, she's like a really focused on like mental health and like taking ownership of your mental health. And yeah, she did a post on it talking about how like this could be our future. And she broke like a five-year TV fast to watch the show, which I was like, wow, what a rough show to come back to. <laughs> that is scary. It is I don't scary. like that. See, like a lot of people mention like Chernobyl, like a lot of people are loving that show Chernobyl. And I'm like, I don't like that just like, it's disturbing to me. And then I like dream about it. Like I have even watching Stranger Things, I have some, like, messed up dreams, <laughs> like, weird dreams, like, alien invasions and stuff, so I don't know, that stuff, like, that's <laughs> when you wake up exhausted, yeah, no, that's not, yeah, that's but... not all the goal, but, so those were our icebreakers, <laughs> hope you enjoyed them, let us know if you, you can always let us know what your answers are, um, join our Facebook group, Balanced Thieves group on Facebook, and yeah, so we're just gonna kind of dive into, some a little bit of like our experiences in working with women and even ourselves because we've definitely both had our hormone struggles and what we've learned about like nutrition and how it impacts our hormones. Absolutely, and I think um, we have a lot of similarities in our stories, although they although they are different. Um, you know, pretty briefly without getting too much into it, like I always had really irregular, very painful periods that I would pass out in school or just skip school um, when I was a kid and teenager and um, of course was put on the pill and that caused a host of all kinds of issues, really, really bad anxiety. Um, And then when I went off of it, I was petrified because I was like, what's going to happen in my body? Um, So that was really like a spectrum of like trying to figure out nutrition and of course there's, these tips are really wonderful and we're going to go through all these powerful, powerful nutrition things that we have um, experienced and studied, but I know Amanda can agree that one thing we found is that stress is such a huge part of this, whether that's emotional stress, mental stress, or also physical stress, which ties into the nutrition piece. So there's definitely like an umbrella kind of um, thing going on here with with stress when it comes to nutrition. And I think when we're talking about like nutrition for hormones and stuff like one thing we've noticed with stress is like a lot of people a big part of their stress could be coming from their nutrition or like lack thereof and so 
you know, stress is a hormone killer. It's, it really, it does cause hormonal imbalances because your body is really smart, right? It wants to survive. So it's going to react to whatever stressor is present. And there's so many different ones of those, but one stressor is under eating or not getting enough nutrients in. So since your body is smart, if it doesn't feel like it's safe, to reproduce and have a baby. And you have to remember that in order, like our reproductive system requires a lot of energy. So if we say we're under eating, then that's going to be a stressor on our thyroid. It's going to tell our body to downregulate a little bit, not use as much energy. And if we don't use as much energy, that means that that's not going to get prioritized for our hormones because although we feel like they're a priority, our body does not feel that way because it just wants to survive and respond to the stress. Yeah. And another thing under stress that again is like foundational is food quality. And our approach is not restrictive, um, but we do believe like food quality matters. The nutrition that you're getting from your food nourishes your body, nourishes your cells, helps build hormones. Um, But there's also a lot of foods out there that are super processed, don't give us a lot of nutrients, are interfering with blood sugar, digestion, causing inflammation. So you know, along with eating enough food, we definitely want to just make sure that if these two things aren't in line, you know, don't really look towards the specific details. Like get these things kind of squared away first, eat enough food, get really, you know, high quality food in. And we'll talk a little bit about each of those things specifically, but you know, all of this stuff is really great. But if those two things aren't set first, then it's kind of, kind of tough to make big changes. And just being consistent with that. So like the three big things that we've noticed with ourselves and working with clients is that number one, you need to eat enough food. Number two, you need to prioritize quality foods as often as you can. And then number three is to be consistent because your hormones don't get out of balance in one day. They're not going to return to like harmony and homeostasis in one day. So just keeping that in mind that it's not about being perfect or restrictive. It's just about being consistent. And a lot of women, and I think it's, we've kind of been primed to do this. It's, you know, anytime we make a change with our nutrition or even like exercise or other habits, we want things to change quickly. And sometimes, you know, making big changes like this is hard and you want to see results right away and that's fine. But at the same time, if you are giving up too soon on a nutrition change that you're making, um, or maybe not monitoring how things are changing in the right way. Maybe you're only monitoring your progress like one way. Um, that's going to be a big challenge for you and something to overcome. So, you know, just make sure that you're patient with it as well as consistent because everything that you do over time is what adds up and, um, makes a huge change in the, in the long run. Yeah, those little habits, that's that's what creates the big change in your hormones and in anything you're trying to do down the road. So we have five tips that we want to share, and we're going to go through each one. The first one is to stop dieting and eat enough food. This one's so scary. I find for 90% of women that whether it's hormonal or whether it's something else going on, um, the even though diets aren't fun, We've all kind of been there and whatever diets we've tried, I know I've tried a ton and so have you. Um, they're not fun, but they give people like a roadmap to follow. And we are, again, conditioned to think that under eating is the best way to lose weight and restricting ourselves is something that we have to do. 
And, you know, weight loss aside and body composition aside, your body needs fuel. And under eating, like Amanda said, your body starts to prioritize the fuel that it has. And I love this example of um, like when your phone is on, when your phone's on low battery, um, you know, it prioritizes what, what it does. It, your body is the same way. Your body has minimal fuel. It's going to use that for the most important things and that's survival. That's not your sex hormones. That's not your menstrual cycle. That's definitely not fertility. Um, so those things all get put on the back burner. And then also just like the diet mentality is, is stressful on your body, especially if you're somebody that yo-yo diets, like you're on a diet, then you're completely off a diet that like on the wagon, off the wagon kind of approach. Even just that is super, super stressful for your body and gets back to the same thing. Stress interferes with your hormones for sure. And just thinking about, so if you're hearing us say stop dieting and eat enough food, and if that's kind of like, how do I even begin? Like a lot of it is with your mindset around, especially in the words that you use, like your words are so powerful. You are talking to yourself all day long. And so even the things that you're saying, like Kim was saying, how even our thoughts around food can be stressful, just like having that dieting mindset, you want to break that. And the way that you can start doing that is by realizing that, you know, there's there is no diet. Diet just means the foods that make up the foods that you eat on a regular basis. There's like society and our culture has turned diet into like a bad word or like a kind of a, a word that has a stigma. It's more negative. It's restrictive. Um, it makes you lose weight, stuff like that. So trying to change that mindset. So diet is just the foods that you eat. It's what makes up everything that you're having every day. And you're not good or bad if you eat certain foods, right? That's really big. And food is not good or bad. We give it that morality. So we're just hoping that you will increase your food intake if you need to, if you've been dieting for a long time, like say you've been on a restrictive diet and you kind of go off and on that. I just talked to someone the other day that's been doing that for three years. And I'm like, you just need to eat more. <laughs> you literally just need to eat more. And eat quality foods and eat till you're full, you know, and that's some of our like biggest tips for eating enough. So it's like building really balanced meals, making sure you have a quality protein, a healthy fat and a complex or like slow burning type of carbohydrate. So that could be like non-starchy veggies, starchy veggies, like don't be afraid of carbs. Women need carbohydrates, especially to ovulate when that makes hormones and that helps us have balanced hormones. Um, and then eating until you're full is a really big one, very scary. That was probably the biggest thing that I struggled with when I stopped restricting my food was like actually feeling full and like not overeating because I used to like binge eat a lot, but, and then not being afraid of feeling full or feeling guilty. So like being full and satisfied is, it's a thing that everyone deserves. It doesn't matter how much you weigh, how much weight you feel like you need to lose or anything like that. So like keeping that in mind. And learning like what fullness feels like, like you said, cause there's such extremes, like a lot of us eat until you know we just eat a certain amount and we don't feel satiated or we overeat and binge and there's like not a ha happy healthy medium so like learning what fullness feels like and you know we're going to talk about like the food quality piece that also definitely you know influences this but learning how that feels and learning what true hunger feels like versus you know emotional eating or having a food craving and just not being afraid. Like Amanda said, like, don't be afraid to experiment with eating a little bit more, changing up the composition, eating more carbs, eating more fats, like whatever it is that you feel you need. Um, don't be afraid to do it because 
in the end, you only have everything to gain, especially when it comes to your hormones. And just thinking if you feel too full at one of your meals, like say you try adding in a little bit more food because you feel like you've been under eating and then you feel really full after and you're kind of like, ah, this is a little bit more full than I'm comfortable being. Instead of going into the mindset of like, oh my gosh, I'm bad. I ate too much food. I'm going to gain weight. Just make note of what you ate and then adjust next time. It, and like, just know that you're not always going to need the exact same amount of food. Our bodies fluctuate based on like how active you are, how much you slept you know, like how much stress you have going on, where you are in your cycle. So just being, having a little grace with yourself and allowing yourself that flexibility and just knowing that one meal is not going to throw you off completely. Again, it's about what you do consistently. So some other things you can consider is like tracking in an app. We don't promote tracking regularly, but we do like the chronometer app. So if you're not sure if you're eating enough, you could start tracking in there. And it also shows you your vitamins and minerals, which we'll talk about more next. Um, but it shows you, are you meeting your needs, right? And are you eating enough? Or maybe you're eating way less than you thought, and, or maybe you're eating more than you thought. But this way you're not completely guessing um, and it can help you make better choices for your next meal. Absolutely. And so the second tip that we'll get into definitely relates to this, and that's going to be your food quality. Um, so, you know, food quality, meaning where did your food come from? How processed is that food? And could that food be causing stress on your body? Is it causing any underlying inflammation? So particularly when it comes to eating more food, that's kind of a scary thought for a lot of people because we think like more food is bad. And like we said, it's not the case, but more of the quality nutrient dense foods is very different than like more calories from like highly processed food. So, you know, something that is a really great place to begin is just how processed is your food? Start choosing and making sure that the majority of the food that you eat is close to its natural state. So like unprocessed, like Meta said, um, good proteins, like animal proteins, healthy fats, like nuts and seeds, coconut, um, veggies, fruits, whole grains if you tolerate them, but, you know, getting rid of the things that are super, super processed, that have tons of ingredients, the processed sugars, the processed grains, because what we know about these foods is that they lack nutrients, so our bodies don't really get those signals, again, like we're full. Um, it's tough to, it's easy to overeat these foods. Um, it's tough to stop because your body's not getting that signal. And then with the refinement process as well, when you take, for example, a grain and you strip out all of its fiber and minerals and vitamins, now you have just pure, quick digesting carbohydrate. And what that does to your blood sugar directly impacts your hormones and you know, just how you feel every day in terms of like your energy, your cravings, your sleep, and so much more. So really just looking at the overall processing of your food starting to read ingredients lists, that's a really great place to, to start to boost the food quality that you're eating. Because if you're looking at the ingredients list and you can't recognize a lot of things, those are the things that are going to be harder to process for your body. Like that's the thing about the food that is inflammatory and just increases the overall burden digestively and our toxic load. So just kind of thinking about, okay, can I get foods with a shorter ingredients list, that's going to be helpful. 
And you know, how many things are you eating out of a box or a package? Just start to be mindful of that. We absolutely use convenience foods that are higher in quality to make our lives easier. And there's no guilt around that. You know, they're there for a reason, but it's just like increasing your awareness of like, are these actually healthy? Because I mean, it's so hard now with the marketing on products. Like it's usually there's lots of greenwashing and that's where they make the packaging look like really healthy and maybe have all these health claims. And maybe it says like gluten-free, dairy-free, like soy-free, all that kind of stuff, sugar-free, but like some of the ingredients could actually be not beneficial. So always turn that label over, look at the ingredients list. And one of the big, big like reasons why we want to limit that processed food is like Kim said, because of that blood sugar. So it, we think we like to think of blood sugar, like our energy. So when you eat certain foods, they might like increase your energy a little bit. And then, you know, you have sustained energy throughout the day. That's like balanced blood sugar, right? That that's a good thing. When we eat more processed foods or maybe foods that we aren't digesting well, usually you don't feel as good after your energy isn't as good. Sometimes you can feel sleepy and it can lead to more cravings later in the day. So a good thing for you to consider doing is paying attention to how you feel after you eat your meals and later in kind of your energy throughout the day, because that's going to help you personalize your nutrition where you can see, okay, I had, maybe you had like sweet potato with your breakfast and you had way more energy and then you had a better workout that day. That's a good thing to know. And then maybe the next day you only had like a bar and you didn't feel as good and you were wanting to eat all the things later in the day. Like those are just a couple examples of how you can start to, you know, decipher like what foods work for you and what foods don't. And this ties directly into the balancing too, balancing your meals, making sure that you have the different, you know, protein, fat, good complex carbohydrates, because, you know, as you can definitely start to notice, your energy is going to fluctuate, whether that meal is like super high in just carbohydrate and lots of sugar versus if you have a nice balanced nutrient dense plate, um, that makes a really, really big impact. And blood sugar you know, I want to add something. I always found this to be so interesting is that, you know, when you think of blood sugar and you think of your energy, blood sugar is like a roller coaster, um, you know, in terms of like the more sugar and carbohydrate that you eat, that your body raises your blood sugar and then has to bring that down. So what goes up must come down and the, as fast as it's going to go up, it's going to plummet if you are eating something that is, you know, lacking nutrients or is imbalanced or is highly processed. And what happens when your blood sugar drops so low is you're inevitably going to just crave more sugar and carbohydrates and your body's actually going to release stress hormones. So when your blood sugar drops, that's a stressful event. And like we mentioned, stress is such a killer for your hormones. So if you can limit the amount of times, if you can really even out that blood sugar roller coaster, you're actually going to be positively impacting your body's stress hormone balance as well. And that is going to directly connect to your sex hormones, your thyroid, um, really your insulin, obviously, um, but every hormone in your body. So just trying to keep that more even instead of those high highs and lows. And a couple of other ingredients that they can cause inflammation in the body are things like gluten, dairy, and soy. So this doesn't mean that you can never eat these foods, but if you've never experimented with taking them out, or if you've only removed one and then tried adding it back in, like it can be really helpful to like 
get rid of these three, make that the main focus, and then like start adding them in a little bit after like maybe four weeks and seeing how you feel. Cause it's not always a digestive reaction. I think that's the tricky part with food intolerances is that people think, Oh, well my stomach was fine after I ate that bread or that pizza. So I'm like totally fine. But it's like, you want to think about how did you feel after? Were you sleepy? Were you groggy? Did you sleep well that night? You know, did you, were your joints achy the next day? Did you have like a sore throat or like lots of like congestion? Um, and like, what was your like cognitive function? Like, were you clear headed or were you a little bit more foggy? Um, and like, were your periods painful that month? Like thinking about that kind of stuff, it has, there's so many other ways to like read into food intolerances or sensitivities that aren't digestion related. So by reducing these foods, even if you don't eliminate them completely, the dose, you know, it does make the poison is like my opinion on these. And so by limiting your exposure, you can, you know, reduce the inflammation on your body and that's less stressful. And that's also going to help you absorb your food better and just overall kind of reduce that stress and support hormone balance. Absolutely. And something else that I think is important to mention is that a lot of people jump to like, okay, I heard gluten's bad for my hormones or bad for my gut or whatever, you know, kind of article you write about gluten. And then they cut gluten out and they start choosing a bunch of gluten-free products or, um, you know, they just cut gluten out and they don't make any changes to the overall food quality of their diet. If you are not addressing the overall quality of your food, don't feel like you have to start here. But just know that if you're like, wow, I eat a really balanced, nutrient-dense diet and maybe there's something that I'm missing, doing an experimental elimination of gluten, dairy, and soy, whether you do that all together or one by one, can be so powerful. Um, and by experimental, I say like at least four weeks without these foods because food intolerances, just like they don't automatically show digestively they don't automatically show immediately even like within a day or two especially when it comes to your hormones um they can affect you the next month during your period the next two months or even three so um just keep that in mind as well uh know that these are not the first thing to begin with if the food quality isn't there but it kind of does tie hand in hand when it comes down to yeah. So I think that's, that's just like kind of another thing to consider is like, how can you reduce the inflammatory foods and like processed foods in your diet? Anything is going to help. So don't feel like you have to be perfect. Um, so that's tip number two. Number One more thing. Oh, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> you get into it. I was just going to say, when it comes to your hormones and it comes to your periods, especially, um, this has been my experience a hundred percent that the inflammatory foods are absolutely going to contribute to painful and symptomatic periods. So if you have like really intense cramps, migraines, backaches, digestive issues, and you haven't tried cutting out any of these foods, reducing the processed foods in your diet, that is going to help you immensely. So I just had to throw that in there because we're talking about hormones. And they steal nutrients. So I think that can, that can be like another kind of impact is like if you're having these foods regularly, one, they can replace more nutrient-dense foods, which is for sure an issue, right? Because it's like if you're eating, and same thing with the gluten-free stuff, if you're eating like gluten-free toast in the morning instead of like 
a bunch of veggies and sweet potatoes, then you're getting, yes, it could be the same carb content, but you're not getting the same vitamins and minerals. So just kind of keeping that in mind that like we actually need those things to build hormones. Um, and so that's kind of another way that it's, it, that's the, another added stressor, right? Is that nutrient depletion. So that's, that's a good point. And the last thing, since we're just extending this one, why not? Um, the other thing that's important and helpful is to remember that the last three months of your life impact your current cycle. So if you're like, oh, I removed gluten last month and I don't feel any different. My cycle's not any different. You might just want to like try it out a little bit longer so that you can see if it's going to impact your cycle a couple months from now. And your cycle is such a good indicator of that. I remember somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody I follow on Instagram posted like in January, um, like, hey, I bet you had a really painful period this month. Like if you indulge around Christmas, it, you know, the holidays, just know that could be why. And I remember like that happened to me and I was like, that's probably it. <laughs> so just know that like, it's a good indicator and a good way to like, just see like, what did I eat and do? Not just eat, but like what? was going on in my life the last month two three months and measure that against how your period is and it's kind of motivation to see like wow I do have like a really powerful impact based on what I choose to do and just know that you can change it and improve your cycle for the next month which I think is really cool and it's a good reminder to be patient right? Because we all want to see results right away and we totally get it. We've been there, but it's just being patient with your body and just like hormones take time because they don't get out of balance right away. Like it takes a lot of stress to really imbalance your hormones. So that's why it takes time to like rebalance them and bring like your cycle back to like regularity. Um, and so the third tip is to support gut function and detoxification. And this is probably I don't know. I mean, I won't say it's the most important, but like, as far as like, if you have certain hormone issues, like if you're dealing with constipation and you also have like crazy PMS and acne and like really painful periods, it's like, I would say start here. Um, especially if you're not using the bathroom every day, because we poop out excess estrogen. Right. And we, if we also say we aren't breaking down our food properly, then that means that we aren't going to be extracting those nutrients properly. And in order to make hormones in general, we have to have the right minerals, vitamins, and healthy fats. Otherwise we can't even produce them. It's not like we can just gather those things from our bodies. Like we have to get them from our diet. So that's why even if you're eating the healthiest foods ever, you feel like you've got that really dialed in. If you have like, say maybe you don't use the bathroom every day, um, or maybe you just, you still don't have like great energy or feel like you're getting all you know, the benefits of your food. I get a lot of ladies that have like really loose stools and they're like, I don't even know if I'm digesting it. Am I absorbing anything? Um, Cause it's just like a really fast transit time. So you just want to start to think about like, what can I do to support that? And you'll definitely see a, an improvement in your periods. hundred percent. And that specifically like with the digestive piece, like your poop is such a good indicator of your gut health, um, as well as any symptoms you have, like bloating, feeling bloated all the time, especially like after you eat is not normal, especially if it's like really distended bloating. It's not normal. And that can mean like, you're just not breaking down your food. It's also a potential sign again of a food intolerance or something that you're eating. Um, maybe you're rushing through meals or you're eating when you're really stressed out or on the go, which is super common. 
So, you know, before you even get into like the food part of it, sometimes the best things that you can do for your gut are just to like slow down and chew your food at mealtimes. Um, and one of my other favorite things is a squatty potty, especially if you um, have constipation, you struggle with that. Um, to, it helps to elevate your feet when you're going to the bathroom. So it supports a more natural and complete bowel elimination, um, which is crucial. Um, so those are just some things. And then we can get into like the food pieces as well. Yeah. So like, obviously make sure you have those in place first and don't discount the relaxing at meals. Even if you have crazy busy schedule, maybe you can only do it one meal a day, do it the one meal a day and just try it. This is one of the things I constantly come back to. And like Kim and I talk about this all the time is like actually shutting our computers when we eat lunch. And actually I try to eat lunch outside. It immediately relaxes me and forces me to like slow down a little bit and I enjoy my meal much more. So I would say definitely start there if you haven't. Um, but some foods that can also help just support gut health in general. Cause if we're thinking, we want our gut to be healthy, which means it's going to function properly because our guts, we, if they're working, like we make stomach acid, we make digestive enzymes, our motility is good so that we can break down the food and move it through the intestines. Some things that can help support that function are things like bone broth and collagen because they help they help improve the lining of your gut. And so what that's doing is making it so that you're not having like leaky gut and having things passing through your tight junctions and those cells that are supposed to be protecting you. So that just helps, you know, work on that intestinal barrier. Fermented foods are amazing because they help build up the good bacteria in your gut. Sometimes we have, if we have like maybe a pathogenic bacteria or a parasite or something, by boosting the good bacteria, you're creating a more positive environment. They can't thrive in that positive environment. So that's why they're, it's always a good thing to have. And a lot of people notice like more regularity with their bowel movements when they start adding in fermented things. So that could be really helpful if you have an issue with that. And as far as like some liver support things like beets and like dandelion root greens, anything bitter is going to be really, really helpful. Um, and then, you know, some prebiotic rich foods are things like chicory, garlic, cruciferous veggies, chia seeds, and flax seeds. So it's kind of like an array of foods. They all do a little bit of different things, but they support our digestive function, the gut lining and detox. And one other thing that we can't not mention is water. Your gut, your digestive digestive system is completely hydration dependent. Um, so you have to make sure you're drinking enough water to flush all of that out, to allow your body to produce, you know, we think about all these components of our digestive system that are breaking our food down, our stomach acid, bile, um, digestive enzymes, they all need water um, as well as rest, <laughs> rest and digest, but make sure you're drinking enough water as well. So, you know, different for everyone, but a good place to begin about half your body weight in ounces every day. Um, that's a you know good place to start. And if you're sweating and you drink coffee, add more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, coffee doesn't count towards your water intake at all. You know what I learned that, oh, and magnesium. If you're deficient in magnesium, that can make your bowel movements difficult. Um, and magnesium citrate, like natural calm can help, but you don't wanna rely on that. If you have to take that every day to poop, there's a problem. But one thing cool that I learned from this other podcast I was listening to was that coffee actually depletes magnesium. You like pee out magnesium when you drink coffee. Yeah. Coffee is so, um, it's dehydrating, but definitely helps like pulls minerals. 
And again, if you're relying on coffee to poop, I have so many women that I talk to, and that's one of my questions I ask is like, how often do you poop? And yeah, once a day, every morning, and I hear that, and I go, after coffee? And it's like, yep. Okay, if you weren't drinking coffee, though, would you poop every day? And that is key. Like, take out the things that you're relying on, and what is your body naturally going to do? If you're not pooping every day, then you need to definitely work on your gut. Definitely. So the next tip, number four, is to minimize your stress during and around eating. So like we mentioned, stress is a hormone killer, and we can't talk about food habits without talking about the like mindset piece around food. So, um, you know, like we mentioned, when it comes to digestion, make sure that you're minimizing distractions. Shut off your computer. Don't scroll through your phone when you're eating lunch. Um, you know, make sure that you're sitting down, you're making a plate. You can only digest when your body is in a parasympathetic nervous system state. So that is a state of your nervous system that is relaxed and it's where we rebuild and rejuvenate and it's where we digest. So if you're eating on the go, in the car, um, while working, your digestive system is going to be really, really strongly impacted. And even the things that need to happen, like the release of stomach acid and bile and enzymes and the muscle contractions that actually need to move your food through your intestines, all of those things stall. So, you know, make sure that eat, eating times are not stressful times as well and do anything you can to kind of work on that, whether it's putting your phone in a different room, closing your computer, um, taking three slow, deep breaths before you eat, eating outside, anything that you can do to make your eating environment a little less stressful is going to immensely improve how you digest, but also at the same time, that's your overall stress hormones are impacted by that as well. And just prioritizing your meals. Like I know it can feel like, oh, but it's, it's just breakfast. It's just lunch or whatever. Or like, I never have time to eat. Like you make time, right? Like no one's going to give you time to do anything in your life. So you really have to make it and prioritize it. And like we said, even if it's only one meal a day to start, that's a really great, great change that you can make and actually support your digestion that you're going to see results with, you know, like you'll feel better after your meals. You should have more energy, um, less stress just because you're actually breaking things down. And just like, although it's like, you know, it's the physical act of winding down at meals. It's also the mental act, right? So we want to be very mindful with how we are talking to ourselves at meals and also all day right? Anything you say to yourself, like your brain remembers and it takes it as fact. So if you're sitting there about to eat a meal, maybe it is like what you don't think it's like quote unquote healthy or the best option that you could have made. You have to kind of get over that and remember that you're eating to fuel yourself, but you're also eating for enjoyment and pleasure. And it's okay to do those things. So the less stress you can have around like that mental chatter when you're eating your meals, the better it's going to be because that emotional stress is going to have the same exact impact as you shoveling food down your throat while you're answering emails. Yeah. I think that obsession piece is just starts to come in, right? Like it's easy to start to focus on any of these areas, even if you're doing it in a positive way, like, okay, I'm going to really change the quality of my food and improve that. Or I'm going to really focus on balancing my plate. We just don't want you to think that perfection is the goal. It's not at all. Um, and this is a learning process. So try your hardest not to obsess over it. You know, 
oh my gosh, did I eat too much today? Did I not eat enough today? Was that meal not balanced enough? Or like if you go out to eat or it's a special occasion and you want to choose something that you wouldn't normally eat, be okay with it. Enjoy it. Because eating something that might not serve your body as best as like a super nutrient-dense unprocessed food, you eat that thing and you stress out about it and you obsess and you feel guilty and shameful after and you beat yourself up, that's almost worse than, you know, anything. It's, if you can eat a food that's maybe not what you would, again, term healthy, but you enjoy it, you're not stressed about it, I would much rather, much rather see that. Um, even on the other spectrum, like eating a, like, quote unquote, perfect diet on paper, but always stressing and obsessing over it, that is worse than you, you know, should be doing for your body and for your hormones and to just like relax a little bit. Enjoy it. Make those choices for yourself and, and don't regret any. And it can feel like, is that really going to help my hormones? But it will. I mean, like we've seen it with ourselves, with clients. If you, when you let go around food and you just start to eat in a way that is like out of love and enjoyment rather than like fear-based, it makes a huge difference because you're a happier person. I think about how much I used to stress about food, tracking every little thing that went in my mouth. I mean, it was a lot of energy and I was exhausted. So it's like, if you can remove that, and even if it's just a little bit, it will help. Like there's no doubt. Um, And just like one thing I like to keep in perspective with myself, because sometimes I think it's hard when you have, when you're working really hard or maybe you're following a protocol or something like that. And you have, you like really want to have like one type of meal. That's not like ideal, right? That's not like you're like, this might not make me feel that great, but I would really, really enjoy this. If you eat 21 meals a week, like three meals a day, that's less than 1% of your whole week. So that helps me keep things in perspective of like, it's really not that big of a deal. It's one meal out of 21 meals for the week. I'll survive. And I also think about how many times I've done that personally and then made myself feel so mentally bad about it and then that translated to feeling physically bad versus the time where I just ate that and I was like wow that was really good and I enjoyed it and I'm satisfied and I totally moved on um what the like hormonal impacts of those two different approaches are and it's tough to get there we're not saying like this is easy just like stop obsessing over food but if you start to follow some of the tips that we gave you like you know choosing food quality balancing your plate just getting rid of the super super processed stuff as a whole Um, a lot of your decisions around nutrition will become a lot more intentional because you're like, okay, I know that that food doesn't make me feel good. So maybe it's not worth it for me to eat it today versus like, I know that food might not make me feel good, but I want it and I'm going to enjoy it and move on. So, you know, start, start with all those foundational pieces and the rest, you know, really does come. I love that. So yeah, and let us know how it goes because we love we love hearing about those stories. So the fifth and final tip is foods for happy hormones. So we're gonna share some of our favorite foods to have people you know try to include on a regular basis in order to. This is like really for like overall production of hormones and inflammation. So overall, it's we're talking about those whole nutrient dense foods and having some variety. Does it mean that you have to like? 
eat a different vegetable every day. You know, like you don't have to be crazy. You'd be surprised like how much variety you can get um, by like switching up like your food prep and stuff. But just trying to think about like, okay, maybe I won't eat like the same vegetable every week, like every single day, every week, like that could be nice, like doing a couple different ones. But the first one is omega-3 fatty acids. So eating foods that are rich in these, like salmon, like lots of wild caught fatty fish, stuff like that, that's going to be helpful. Or if you do it in like a high quality supplement form, you just, you really want to be smart with supplements um, because their companies are very sneaky and not everyone cares about quality. So thinking about, okay, if it's fat, I know it can, it's an omega-3 fat, it can oxidize and then it's not as beneficial. So just looking for companies that are doing testing, you know, on their, all the supplements, but especially like omega-3 fatty acids, they're sourcing it from wild caught fish, right? We don't want it from like farm raised fish. So I would avoid places like BJ's and Costco and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and the, the power in the omega-3 fats for your hormones especially is that, you know, the omega-3 fatty acids are, they help our bodies build anti-inflammatory hormones. So, you know, we think of like stress is pro-inflammatory, um, a lot of really processed foods, vegetable oils. We're just getting a lot of inflammation from things that we're eating, even if we are working on it. It's tough. So we need that anti-inflammation. And when it comes to like your periods especially, this is so, so, so important. And you could increase these, like try to eat more of these around your period, like when it gets close to your period, that can really help with period pain. Cause they, like Kim said, they're in, they make anti-inflammatory hormones, which help reduce the pro-inflammatory hormones. So that's like something I love doing personally is like eating more omega-3s and we don't make them. We can't make them from our bodies. They're essential. So it means we have to get them from the foods that we eat. Yes. And speaking of that, the next category, which sounds scary, but it's natural sources of cholesterol. So we could probably do an entire episode on this, but cholesterol from food is not bad. Um, cholesterol itself isn't bad. Your body naturally produces cholesterol. So you go to the doctor and you get your cholesterol levels checked. This is cholesterol your body's producing. And cholesterol also helps us manage inflammation. It's a natural process. Um, but cholesterol from your food particularly is so, so, so important. Um, cholesterol actually helps build your hormones. So I see this a lot um, with women who are avoiding these types of fats in their diets, um, especially if women are like not eating animal foods at all. It's tough to get cholesterol in. Um, so a couple things, eggs with the yolk, do not throw the yolk out. Um, coconut oil, good quality red meat, so grass-fed beef, bison, lamb, um, fatty fish. These are all really good sources of all types of fats, but especially good cholesterol that you need for your hormones. Because that's the backbone of our hormones. So if we don't have enough fat in our diet, you can actually underproduce hormones. And we've both seen this in our Balanced Babe program. So like we've tested women's hormones, we get back, sometimes they're really low. And one of the first things we ask them, we look at how much fat they're eating because you really do need enough. And I see this a lot, especially in like athletes, you know, I, I know it's important to increase your carbohydrates. It really does help with training. But if you are lowering your fats at that expense, it's not going to help you. It's not going to be good for recovery or anything like that. So cholesterol is super important. 
the next one is cruciferous veggies. So we love cruciferous veggies for so many reasons. One, they're great for a detox, which is really important for our hormones, right? Speed detox estrogen. So they contain a compound called sulforaphane. And sulforaphane is actually really great for phase three and phase two of estrogen detox. So if you are someone that is maybe not detoxifying estrogen well, and it's building up in your body, you can't get rid of it properly, then that can lead to more PMS symptoms, more painful periods, heavier periods, weight gain, that kind of stuff. Um, and then the other compound is DIM. And so that's a specific plant compound in cruciferous veggies that also specifically helps with estrogen detox just in a slightly different way. So it can actually reduce unhealthy levels of estrogen. So say maybe you are, whether you're making too much or you're not detoxifying it well, it can help reduce it. You're not going to get a crazy amount from food that's going to cause you to have low estrogen. So you don't have to worry about that. But if, again, like if you're someone that maybe like you feel like you're losing like two weeks out of your life every cycle because you have really intense PMS and it's not just like a couple of days before, it's like a week and a half before. And like we do hear this a lot, then increasing your cruciferous veggies the second half of your cycle can be really helpful. And these are the foods that like, I feel like the vegetables I didn't want to eat growing up. So like Brussels sprouts, kale, cabbage, um, cauliflower, this so the sulfur rich veggies. And one tip I always give women is like, like, I don't like kale. I don't like Brussels sprouts. Try roasting them. Roasting them gives them an entirely different flavor. And I swear to you, I don't want to sound like a nerd, but like I crave roasted kale like crazy. It's, um, so it's a good thing to eat all the time, but definitely before you just add some grass fed butter people. Okay. And some sea salt and you'll be fine. <laughs> so the next one is quality animal proteins. And this is for a few different reasons. Like we, the, not only do these typically have those healthy cholesterols that we were talking about and like healthy fats, but they have protein. And so protein, we also need amino acids for hormone production. And so, and for so many other things in the body, detoxification, so many things. So we need enough of these. And by including those quality animal proteins, that's also going to help you balance your blood sugar. So that's why we like to have you balance your plate with quality proteins, because that's going to allow you to break down your food a little bit slower. They keep you full longer. Not that you need to like not be hungry and eat food, but it, this way it's like they balance your blood sugar. So if, say you do add some starchy carb to your meals, you're not going to feel like a crazy, like high and then crash in your energy. And something else that I think is so important about animal protein specifically is that they're going to provide nutrients that are not present in the same amounts or the same digestibility as plant foods. So we love plants and they're amazing, but you know, things like B12 and zinc and iron, which are needed for health, but definitely needed for hormones. B vitamins help balance your blood sugar. Zinc helps your body, helps you to ovulate every month. So, um, they're just a good source of nutrients that you can't get in other places in those exact ways. So if you're somebody who, again, is maybe I've talked to women that are like scared to eat certain animal proteins um, for whatever reason, if you're just prioritizing the quality of them, like wild, grass-fed, organic, uh, pasture-raised, then any issue that you've read or heard about with animal protein being unhealthy for you is not a concern. 
it's the processed animal protein that's unhealthy and where it depends on where it comes from. So like all the research on it is not on like, like raw organic meat. It's on like deli meat that's from like, that has like a bunch of additives and it's done on people that also, yeah. And hormones, right. That xenoestrogens, it's like one of the highest places you're going to get it is from uh, conventionally raised meat. So if you're, and you want to think about, you know, like the other thing with those studies is that they're on people that aren't healthy. Like they smoke, they might smoke. They don't, so they don't control for these other variables. Whereas when you look at studies on vegetarians and vegans, I don't even know if vegans would be a part of that category, but I know like when you look at more like vegetarian type diets and like pescatarians, they're, they appear to have better reactions and better health because they're healthier people. They, they're more health conscious. So just keep that in mind whenever you're reading research. Um, and the next one is flax seeds. So we love flax seeds. They're a really cool food. They're kind of like cruciferous veggies, the way that they help us with excess estrogen. Um, one of the really cool things that they do is um, they convert estrogen like from its more uh, estrogenic form. So that just means it's more powerful, more symptomatic in the body to a less estrogenic form. So if you have excess estrogen, or if you just have uh, higher levels that you're not good at detoxifying, flax seeds can actually help you convert them to a less estrogenic type, which is really neat. And they're healthy fats, right? So like that's helpful for our hormones and they have tons of fiber. So they can, if you're constipated or you are not pooping every day, then you want to definitely try adding in a couple tablespoons of freshly ground flax seeds and increase your water intake though, because if you're not drinking enough water and you add in more fiber, you're going to be more constipated, but they can be really, really helpful. And then the last two, um, unrefined sea salt, so like Himalayan sea salt, Celtic, real salt, um, and sea vegetables. And for similar reasons in that, you know, these are foods that are really rich in minerals that we don't get in some other foods, especially because our soil is so depleted. But unrefined sea salt particularly can help support your adrenal glands, which are your, you know, your stress hormone production gland. Um, and sea vegetables, which contain like iodine, which helps your thyroid. So, you know, the hormone picture is not just going to be your sex hormones and your periods and your fertility. It's about this entire complex system that includes your stress hormones, includes your thyroid, includes your blood sugar handling hormones. So, you know, making sure that you're kind of like attacking it from all different ways is going to help support the overall hormone balance in the body. And if you're feeling like, okay, a lot of this is new to me, or I have a lot of work to do, we do have a program for this that we're going to be opening up in September. So it's called the Intentional Nutrition Program, and it's all about becoming intentional with your food. Like, yes, like we love intuitive eating principles, and we love certain like types of like experimentation with your diet. So we think it's best to like kind of pull all those things together. And that's really what we did with the program so that we can help you learn how to eat intentionally, not obsess over your food and just create a much better and less stressful relationship. Exactly. I think that the stress piece, again, tying it back, it's like we can reduce the stress physically that you're putting on your body through food, as well as mentally, like getting rid of the obsession and the restriction and the overthinking everything. Um, even though we just gave you a lot of information we know, but they're you know, start with one place, focus on like, what are the, you know, top priorities that you have and um, focus on addition, like all those good foods that are going to help your hormones and just try your best not to 
overthink it and you know learn along the way and that's a big part of the process as well so um that's something that we do in the program particularly is like have you check in with yourself and what are you learning about yourself and why are you on this journey um and just checking in with all those goals that you have for yourself so it's really really powerful whether you're looking to improve your hormones improve your nutrition for your hormones or just like get rid of that dieting mentality and the obsession around so if you want to learn more about that, you can always join the Balance Babe community on Facebook. If you just search Balance Babes community, then we come right up. Make sure you're also following the podcast on Instagram at Balance Babes Podcast. And then of course, you can follow Kim at Root and Branch Nutrition. She does lots of really cool posts. I'm at Amanda Montalvo RD. Lots of different, you know, series and stuff like that. We share a lot of good information online. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> we do so make sure you're following us make sure you're following the podcast like amanda said and just know that um these types of episodes we're going to be doing um you know to educate and we want to hear from you so if you can hit us up on the pot on the instagram the podcast instagram or the group or even email us hello at body and and if something sparked your interest in this episode and you want more information or you have questions or something didn't make sense or you just have an entirely different question, make sure you let us know because we're looking for your feedback and we want to give you information and insight on the things that you want to learn about. So there's no question that's off limits and we're going to really try our best to get to all of them. And then last thing, if you are like, oh my gosh, you guys are so amazing. Thank you for sharing all that information. And you want to thank us. If you just share the podcast with someone, that is like one of the best ways to say thank you. And of course, leaving us a review on iTunes is always helpful, but just share it, share it so that we can help more women and we will talk to you next episode.